Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. So, good evening everyone and welcome back to Creative Minds, presented by myself, Callum Hughes. In this next episode, I'm joined by Graham Sahara. Graham has been a resident over in Ibiza for over 20 years now. He's a resident DJ at the likes of Pasha in Ibiza, KM5. He's also label manager for the likes of Do Not Sleep, Melee's Club Bad, Sebzito's Seven Dials. He's co-owner of Seamless Recordings and he's also label manager for Sydney Charles's Heavy House Society. Probably a couple of other labels as well. So this is definitely one for the up and coming artists out there in terms of devising a solid label strategy. So I'm just going to invite Graham in now. Evening, Gray. How are we? All right, mate. How are you? All good. Not not are you too okay? not too bad, mate. I'm not gonna lie. Probably the last week or so is probably the the first proper dip I've had in terms of mood. It's probably we, we don't have the good weather like you do over in Ibiza, so I suspect that's probably helped. It's probably helped you a little bit, hasn't it, through the past couple of months with everything that's taken a dip over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm not going to knock that at all. <laughs> How has it been for you then? Because you're the third resident that I've had from Ibiza. So the first one was um, Howard, who runs Ibiza Unlocked. So he's taken a hit in some respects because, you know, maybe a lot of his clientele would come over for, you know, the nightlife and the clubbing. Um, Leo that I had on last week, he's an actor. So I suppose it's been a bit shit for him because he hasn't been able to enjoy the likes of DC 10 as much. But obviously for someone like yourself, who's, you know, a resident DJ, you know, you, you DJ so many different clubs, um, over the season. How has it been for you? Solid. Did, did you, did you catch any of what I said there, mate? Okay, no worries. No, I was just saying that um, you're the third resident I've had from Ibiza. So I had Howard from Ibiza unlocked. So it's impacted him in some respects because some of his clientele, even though it's more upmarket, you know, they come for the nightlife, for the VIP experience, whereas a lot of that has, has gone. Then you've had Leo, who's an actor, probably hasn't been able to enjoy DC 10 as much. But for someone like yourself, you know, you're a real staple you know, resident DJ, well-known figure on the island. So how, how has it been for you the past couple of months? Uh, it's been a big, uh, a big change, to be honest. Uh, I've probably done about 12 gigs this summer, most at Cafe Del Mar. I would probably be close to doing that in a week, normally. Um, so it's been a bit of a drop. Uh, but, you know, it's... Being good on another side because I've been able to spend 
Mary's night where we will just chill um, and then just sort of see each other now, go for dinner and things like that. Whereas in the in the summer we just don't see anyone. Everyone just work, 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 work. So yeah, uh, it's it's been good, but it's been bad. Obviously, like everybody else, no no clubs doesn't really help doing the label management job. Also, you know people not uh, playing the records that does cause an issue. Yeah. Um, but then you know it gives you a chance to uh, look at other ways of doing things and building other sort of things other than just sort of making club records or whatever. Look at other ways of keeping yourself at the top of the game kind of thing. So Yeah. How, how have you been in terms of adapting and evolving them? Because like you say, you know, the amount of gigs you've played the whole season at Cafe Del Mar is probably what you'd play in a week. And then we'll come on to it in a little bit more detail later when we have, you know, a decent open discussion around record labels. But you know, the kind of record labels that you're associated with, you know, it's it's club music and understandably, even though people might say on the flip side, you know, we still need people creating music and, and pushing music, but it's a matter of financial viability. And like you say, normally the DJs that would buy the music aren't going to be kind of as incentivized to buy it because there's no clubs open to play it. So it's, how, how have you managed to kind of adapt and evolve? Um, I mean, it's, from that point of view, yeah, you have had less people probably maybe buying music that would maybe be playing in bars or, or things like that. But at the same point in time, they're still going to buy music played at home and still enjoy it. Mm. Um, you know, there's other ways to to keep going, you know, looking at things, just doing mixes. You can... People, people still want to listen to music. They want to, if they're going to work on the tube and things like that. So, where how do these people enjoy their music? Right, they're not getting it in a club experience, a club environment. But mm. there is other ways that people can enjoy it. So, you know, maybe SoundCloud, Spotify, creating your own Spotify playlists, and just building that kind of uh, following there. Really, you know, because people are still gonna want to listen to music. You know, if you're sat on the tube and you've got to do like an hour or something through London. Um, mm. You know, you're going to listen to music, or you can, well, maybe you watch Netflix, but I doubt it, you know. Um, so, how are these people going to enjoy the music? They want, they want to be past the time, they want to listen to fresh stuff as well, uh, radios as well. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's still a big need for it. Um, mm. It's just obviously not on a dance floor thing, but people, you know, if you're going to do a mix, we're going to need tunes for that. So, yeah. you know, people will still buy them, they'll still practice at home. Uh, maybe it's just not in the same level as it was this time last year. But yeah, you know, from from the angle that you look at and and the way that you analyse things, have you generally seen or heard people listening to maybe a bit more, you know, if your Cafe Del Mar style, your Balearic, your more chilled out stuff, or are people still wanting to listen to bangers? Some do. I mean, I still listen to it myself sitting there in the studio and picking that's a belt of that. <laughs> um, you know, people will do that. Obviously, maybe they don't listen to them as much, you know, but maybe they've got people around for dinner and like, right, okay, we, we'll just stick this on and we'll enjoy ourselves, so to speak, after dinner. You know, people will still do that and they'll still enjoy it. But yeah, like, yeah. It's just not done on en masse, you know. Mm. Which, which is a shame, but it's, 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 it's what life has dealt us at the moment, which is a bit of a piss Yeah, I know. Well, f- fingers crossed we see an improvement next year. But, um, 
Just before we have more of a discussion around uh, record labels and, you know, bringing some value to the up and coming artists out there. Um, I think I think when we spoke, first started speaking was the beginning of last year. And, and I said to you, oh, I, I, do you come back to Birmingham often? And understandably, you said, well, to be honest, since I went out to Ibiza in the late 90s, I've not, I've not really been too asked about coming back. So how did your journey start, like going right the way back to the beginning? What made you want to go out to Ibiza in the late 90s and what, what kind of made you stay since then? decisions though and you know the ones that you don't plan probably end up turning out to be the best and obviously it can't be too bad because you're sat there and I'm still sat in Birmingham so I suppose it can't be too bad Because how long have you been a resident at Passion? How did did you generally like start with lower end residencies? Then you built a name for yourself, you know, as someone who was quite versatile as a selector. Then Passion eventually came about, or. you can celebrate it properly anyway I've, I've always been intrigued because when I was speaking to Will Power who owns Lab 11 a couple of weeks ago we we were discussing obviously bearing in mind I'm only I'm only 26 um and obviously this isn't me calling you or him an old fucker but you know you've kind of you've you've been there and you've done it and you've seen the changing landscape over the years and kind of you know in your late 90s and your early 2000s there wasn't as many DJs about whereas now you know it's a lot more accessible people would say to me let's be honest playing on cdjs compared to belt drives or turntables back in the day obviously it's 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 a lot easier so it's it's become a lot more saturated 
it's a lot more competitive, dog eat dog. What what I'm kind of seeing now is it's harder to break through just as a really respected, solid DJ because you're up against so many other people. It's kind of like as a promoter now, the first thing you tend to ask is, um, ha- have you got any tunes? Have you released on any labels? Rather than have you got a mix kind of thing. So I just wondered what, what your kind of opinion was around that and how that's changed over the years as well. Is it was it only certain venues and certain promoters that are left maybe like a bit of a dying breed now? you know any interviews that I've watched and you know you're generally referred to as like as a, as a really versatile selector and um, it's one thing that you know whenever whenever I've had guests on in the in the past around trying to preach the importance of you know like your warm-up set your peak time your closing really being able to go on a journey like what what do you felt helped you over the years in terms of cutting your teeth and being able to you know, you go to one bar and you'll pay a completely different set to what you'd probably pay at, at Pasha. What kind of advice would you give to people coming up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a really good question. Um, 
<laughs> nah, to be fair, mate, if, you, if you're playing an extended set, that's probably a decent bit of advice. <laughs> some quality advice and I think you, you probably couldn't have summed it up any better when it's it's not really about you it's about them at the end of the day they're the punters and they're the ones that have spent the hard-earned money and especially likes of Ibiza you know it's not like you know in Birmingham just popping down to you know Lab 11 or, or Rainbow on a Friday night this is you know it's a lot of money to fly out there and get a hotel and pay for these tickets and then if you turn up and someone's been a selfish fucker behind the decks you think oh yeah cheers mate nice one but um yeah yeah, exactly. So, in terms of um, you being a resident on the island with your family now, um, like for, for quite a few years, and obviously you probably had some amusing experiences. I know one of the things we were discussing um, before, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of people going through a, through a hard time at the moment, was, um, was you getting together some amusing stories from, from your time on the island. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving the floor to you now, mate. Oh, well, I mean, there's, there's always a lot of uh, crazy stories here on the island. Just people, uh, people like to come here and get fucked up, you know. <laughs> uh, you know and it's, uh, yeah, they can go a little bit too far with it. Um, I mean, I remember one of the early days when I was playing in Bora Bora, I just, just playing there, and this guy's just rocked up out of nowhere and just put 50, uh, well, it's the equivalent of 50 euros on the, on the turntable. Uh, I'm like, mate, what are you doing? He's playing. Take it off. What are you doing? Give it back. He never said a word to me. I've given the money back. And then uh, he's just done it again. I'm just like, can you stop this? You're going to make my record jump. You know, really starting to annoy me. And he kept doing it. kept doing it. I said, look, if you do it one more time, I'm going to put it in my pocket. 
and uh, so he did it again. So I stuck it in my pocket <laughs> and then mixed the next track, and then he put it on the next bit. I was like, "You're having the last one," but I put that straight in my pocket. <laughs> uh, and, and he just kept doing it. <laughs> he was obviously wasted. I, I, I was spare. I get ample opportunity to put it back. I kept giving it back, and then he's just emptied his wallet out. Every every track I mix, he just put out basically another fifty euros on the. <laughs> Yeah, you carry on, mate. No rush, no rush. <laughs> I don't know if, if that guy probably got home and thought I'm broke or he just had that much money and he thought, fuck it, I, I just, I'll just keep, I'll just keep well, giving money. He's obviously gone to the bank and got a lot more out to get that <coughs> cash out if he probably had a lot of money. <laughs> Christ. I know, I know there was a few more as well. You mentioned about getting stuck out of the booth, Tiesto Warmer. He'd want a track to run out. I don't think Pash is one of them, to be honest. Yeah, Paul Club, he was absolutely heaving as well every Monday, you know. I really enjoyed it. Because uh, it was just great fun, you know. I mean, everyone was just up for a mad party. And it's like the last thing you want in front of a pack club is the DJ not to be there and the record runs out and You know, other than your residencies, I've read before that you, you've DJed for, like, Jamie Cullum's After Party. Have, have you played some, like, mad celebrity parties before, like, through the contacts that you've made over the years, where you kind of stand there and you think, fuck me, how, how am I playing this party? Yes, Jamie Cullum was, uh, was quite mad. I have no idea where, where or how they found out about me. I mean, Like he's doing a show in Paris, and we'd like you to come and do the after party. And I'm thinking, 
I don't actually know Jamie Cullum is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I asked a friend, he said, mate, do it. It's a killer. It's a killer one. He's a really famous, like, like award-winning jazz musician. I'm like, oh, okay, on your, on your say-so, I'll do it. <laughs> I've never heard of him before. Uh, but yeah, it was really cool, actually. There's a lot of, uh, lot of really uh, you know, famous people in there. It was just quite strange thinking, I have no idea who this guy is, why he's asking to do it. But it's a pretty cool gig. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Have you, have you played many others apart from that, you know, like your fashion shows and things like that, or do you generally just try and stick to clubs and bars? I, I tend to try and stick to clubs and bars. Uh, I mean, I've done um, the Cavalli Club in Florence, mm. uh, and that was on New Year's as well. I got to play there, and um, I was like, right, I better get a new suit, you know, um, you know, all the fashion like designers and all that kind of thing. In the middle of Italy, I've gone out and thought, right, I'm looking fly. I got in there, even the, even the bouncers looking better than me. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have spent my entire night waiting on one outfit. You know what I mean? I was going to say, to be fair, mate, it's probably quite a hard place to turn up and try and outdo people, you know, like one of the capitals of fashion, to be fair, but... Yeah, exactly. I shouldn't even bother. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say you rocked up and everyone was not in suits and everyone was like really casual and you looked like a tit. Yeah, true. True. Um... So, in terms of, like, you living on the island for so long and the way that you've seen things change, I know that, you know, you can't predict what the future holds for next year because it depends if, you know, the virus recedes and things go back to normal. What do you feel, like, you know, from the people that you speak to, you know, obviously people talk on the island, what what do you think, like, the next year holds or is it kind of just playing it? week by week and you've just got to see what happens well i mean next year i mean let's be honest it's going to be tricky um you know what the uk said they're going to lock down till say march in spain they've just said till maybe april maybe not i mean everyone's dropping a change you know it's literally nobody knows mm. so i think we are very much reliant on on a vaccine coming around before we can have anything kind of uh go back to any kind of normal, especially with the fact we're going to have like 5,000 people in the club or whatever, that's going to be a tricky one unless there's a, a medical solution, I can't I can't see much happening, you know as yeah. long as I would love it to change but we've got to be sensible and think, you know it's got to be medically worth it, you know and, uh, I, I'm not really a, a virologist or whatever mm. um, but yeah, I, I would see it's quite tricky unless something happens in the next uh, few months over the winter fingers crossed eh? <laughs> yeah i know see what what makes me laugh though and you know it, this is a whole different conversation which we won't get into otherwise you know everyone will be commenting throwing their whole conspiracy theorist uh views over but i think the irony around the vaccine is there's a lot of people saying i'm anti-vaccine but i guarantee you if the government turned around or you know the, the local ibitha authorities turned around and said if you have your vaccine, you can come into DC10 or Pasha. I fucking guarantee you, everyone who's anti-vaccine will be first in the queue saying, please, well, please, let me in. Normally when they go in, they're worried. I know. See, see that, that's, what, that's why I never preach too much about health is because I think, to be honest, some of the party and antics I've had in the last couple of years, I'm in no position to be preaching to people about health and well-being. I'm sure people rattling up on the <laughs> I know. But, um... 
Yeah, I suppose the main conversation we're wanting to have, because I feel obviously we look at things from a different perspective, you know, you from a label manager, me from like artist manager and promoter is there's just like there's, there's so many DJs out there now. And the good thing is there is this realisation that's dawning on people. If if they want to break through eventually and they want to, you know, be on the circuit, you know, to be honest, even... I think even outside of your your own city now, unless you're like a really respected DJ that stands out, you've almost got to have your own sound. So I feel like the best place to start around the label discussion is what are the, the most common mistakes that you see as a label manager that, that you feel you need to get across to up and coming artists? definitely i feel like the the recurring theme is with a lot of the the mistakes that people make around record labels comes back to social media because it, with the whole rushing aspect i feel like at the minute especially why is everybody rushing because clubs aren't going to properly reopen for a while so i understand in some respects you know people will maybe you know lack creativity or motivation because, you know, there's no real insight as to when clubs are going to be back open. But the best thing that Leo Gregory said to me on the podcast last week, um, and I think that probably hopefully got through to a lot of people, is that no one's expecting you to be banging out the studio, you know, five, six days a week, especially at the minute, because everyone's going through their own individual problems. But if you just keep chipping away and keep working at it, even if it's just two, three days a week, you're better off doing that and really getting your shit tight, honing your craft, you know, finding your own sound and making sure it sounds good. Because at the minute, like, like we were discussing earlier on, although it's still good to release music because people still need to listen to music, people still want to listen to music, at the moment, there's, there is there is no rush. 
like you could spend the next few months now to maybe March, April next year, you know, if you're already producing, getting your sound really on it, then if you were to go out to labels March, April next year, just purely as an example, um, because like you, like you were just saying there, like the bigger labels are hard enough to get onto, but at the minute you'll probably know better than I will. It seems like some of the bigger labels are already pushing their diaries back. They're probably not releasing obviously as much and as soon as they would be as well. relationships you know with not just the artists behind the label so for instance you know Sydney Charles at Heavy House Society or Sebzito at Seven Dars obviously you're involved with um is you know a lot of these benchmark labels will have you know like A&R guys and although there's the element of the face-to-face networking has been taken away now more than ever it's good to you know, start building relationships with people over social media. So if you can find out who the A and R is for the for the label, and just start building a natural human relationship, because I think it ties in with etiquette. You know, you were saying before about sending an email and BCC and just not really doing things the right way. It's just probably nothing worse sometimes than you know someone just launching a link at you, not really being like, "Hi, how how are you?" Just that that kind of human interaction seems to have been lost. And if you can build a natural relationship, and even if they don't sign you straight away, um, I came across, you know, Coco, that young Italian lad who signed to, I think he signed to Infuse and he signed to Locus as well. Yeah, he's he is so talented and he's only like 20, 21. And I believe he's been building a relationship with Enzo Siragusa since he was like 15 years old and Enzo's kind of been his mentor and he's saying the sound's not quite there yet but you know he probably isn't batting tracks to him every single day but he's, he's gone away he's taken the advice and I think you know if 
if there is signs there that your music's got potential, if you build a good relationship with your A&R, or may, maybe, you know, even if the artist themselves sees potential in you, you know, if you build that personal relationship, you don't burn bridges as well. That's another one is so many people fucking burn bridges. And you think, why Why have you done that? You were onto something really good there with the label. Is um, it, I think it just comes back to the, the whole point about patience and, and not rushing. Um, and, and building relationships is a, is a big one for me, which I'm sure you probably agree with. Yeah, massively. I mean, a lot of people you think, right, that's, that's a cool track you sent me. It's not quite right, but maybe, you know, people do a bit of general A&R kind of thing, right? You need to try and get it sounding a little bit more like this and just research the label a bit before. Always check, say, you know, the previous three releases, uh, latest releases on, on the label, so you know where their sort of sound is evolving. <laughs> Yeah. Those tracks probably would have been signed five, six months ahead. Um, you know, so that, that takes time. So if you want to try and keep fresh, if you look at something that was a year old, then, you know, you're way behind already. So you've got to try and be a bit more patient and sort of build your sound and, and just keep in with them and, and um, just, yeah, you just research. You know, I mean, people will send us a lot of stuff. We'll get a lot of demos through. You think, that's, that's good. It's not quite what we're looking for. Have a little listen to this track or this track maybe try and have a little bit of go with that just just you know you give them an opportunity and say right it's not right now this is maybe what you've got to do maybe you need to try and build a little bit on this side of things sort of give them a bit of a bit of help yeah uh, give them a boost because otherwise people just sit there and think right we just get rejection letters all the time it doesn't really help anybody at all Mm. um you know so give them a bit of of positivity out of it say right this is good i like this but perhaps you want to try and do this yeah on on, on, on this sound you know it's not going to be for us this time around but you know try and put a, a bit of constructiveness to it um and that that's what we try and like to do if we can you know obviously if it's million miles away from us and say not really things to that <laughs> you know if it's something that we can see where right maybe in the future there'll be some you know, something they've, they've got something, but maybe we just need to nurture it a little bit. Then, yeah, you just we'll we'll just uh, speak to them and just um, and help build them a little bit and try and get them where they're going. Yeah, now that's that's class, mate. Thanks for that. And another one which I know me and you have discussed personally before is people not giving sufficient time for releases to to breathe and really settle and. And this is one common mistake that I see personally, especially with artists that, that don't have management. So they haven't got maybe a voice of reason and someone to rein them in is I've seen artists before. There, there was there was one, obviously, I wouldn't be harsh enough to, to, to name drop who um, a couple of months ago had like four releases in, in a month. And I thought, well, number one, if that was on a benchmark respected label, you're already going to get off to a bad start because that label isn't going to appreciate, you know, you not it's not about them you know being selfish and expecting you know all the focus on them but you know if that labels give you the opportunity they don't want all these other releases within a short space of time around them so it's not to say that you know you only release twice a year but what what is your general advice or what do you think is is the right um you know kind of path to go down in terms of releasing and Mm. Uh, not really. I mean, if one every three weeks at a push, but if you're if you're doing EP four track EPs every three weeks is too much. Mm. Uh, also, I mean, people are 
the same artist every week, you know. So yeah. if you release two EPs within a couple of weeks, they're just going to cannibalise each other. And the way you grow is by the fact that maybe people see you in a chart or, uh, you know, if you've got one track and everyone buys that one track, you're going to rise up the charts. The algorithms look good. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the same with streaming. Everyone yeah. has the same with streaming the same track. So that will rise in the algorithms. So, you know, because we do live in that kind of a world where algorithms matter massively, say, on YouTube, like social media, all this kind of thing. So if you're pushing one track, you'll do better with one track than if you're trying to push all four, especially if you're trying to build. Yeah. Um, so if you have, like, a remix or just, you know, one track to concentrate on every month or like, one remix or a two-track EP, if you give people too many choices, it's going to split sales, so you're not going to sell as much. Mm. You know, it's fine if you're on vinyl because there's only one physical piece of vinyl you're going to buy. Yeah. Um, however, I've seen people have up to four vinyl releases in a month. It was very frustrating because uh, I'm pretty sure all of them tanked and they were all on decent labels as well. Uh, and that's not going to endear yourself to someone who's just spent a grand on your music minimum pressing these vinyls. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or vinyl, sorry. Um, you know, and they all tank. Well, you're not going to get signed by any of them again because they're all going to be really pissed off. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so it's like you've got to think about it, and if you put everything into like a, a two-track EP, you know, and it comes with a remix, then that that's that's decent for a, a digital release. You know, it gives someone you know maybe you don't like that track, but you might like the flip side. That's cool. Or the remix. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, if you have four-track EPs and you're putting them out every three weeks or two weeks, you know, maybe it's not you're not maybe putting enough into that EP in the first place. Yeah. So maybe if you've got that many bangers then well you know are, are you putting too much into it you know you think right maybe we can do a little bit more maybe do a good vocal track that really stands out and gets it even mm. higher and just give them each their space to breathe yeah and as long as they can breathe then um you know that you'll do better you'll rise up the charts you've done yeah. that's the key thing to growth is clicking algorithms and getting a chart yeah definitely i feel like t- tying in with that as well once again coming back to social media is People sometimes will release on, I don't want to use the term mediocre because that's probably a little bit disrespectful, but labels that are, maybe they're they're not a bad label in terms of up and coming, but they're, you know, they're not at that benchmark level where, you know, you're not going to get signed to a big agency realistically, you're not going to get, you know, those, those bigger gigs, but people don't need to compromise on quality like you're far better just taking your time and getting your music so it's at a really good level and then saving your tracks for the bigger labels instead of releasing on a load of probably quite you know average lower end labels instead because purely as as an example like I'm, i'm pretty sure that patrick toppin's first release which was back in like 2013 or 2014 was on hot tracks um Josh Aval, who was making, you know, decent bit of noise before lockdown, he, one of his first EPs was on Hot Tracks, Hot Creations, then Circus, and it goes to show that y- you don't have to start on low-end labels, because I think there's this kind of, there's this kind of myth and false assumption that in order for a bigger label to sign you, you have to have released on low-end labels first, but I think you're far better off taking your time, making sure your music is at a good quality know who's behind the label behind the scenes build the relationship then just bide your time and 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 wait instead of just trying to rush your music out for the sake of looking active on social media because i feel like that's the big downfall for a, for a lot of up-and-comers yeah 
remix. Yeah. Uh, which has just gone straight to number one in the, the Deep Bitmore and flied up the, uh, or flew up uh, the main chart, and he's done very well, and he's been waiting again to, to put something out on the right label, so it can be done. Uh, also, obviously, we knew he'd got a following because he'd done uh, Do Not Sleep tour in the, in the previous winter. Mm. So, you know, it's a, a lot of labels will think, right, if that's a, uh, a banging track, they're not, not going to sign it, you know what I mean? But also, they will kind of consider, right, how are we going to sell this? Because this guy's got no fans. It's a completely brand new artist name. It's going to be tricky to sell that yeah. to, um, to, 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 to other people. It's like, no one's ever heard of this person. How are we going to promote it? How are we going to get someone to actually listen to the promo who then, you know, might play it in their stream? Yeah, the label name catch for a lot. But also, you need to have some kind of background, mm. you know, um, that, that does count a little bit, but that's not to say it can't be done, you know, it can, it can be done. Yeah. Obviously, it's, it helps. Well, my dog's just appeared. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, sit down. Um, so, yeah, it can be done. I mean, obviously, you want to make sure that the label is, is, is a good one and it's got a good chance of, of success, you know, but you've got to um, uh, just give it, yeah, sometimes it can be, Maybe not like a hot track, maybe a little sub label or something else like that, just to give it a bit more of a, a boost. Sometimes you've got to release something, you know? Yeah. Uh, but not that I'm saying it's just got to be a random label. You need to have something that's got some kind of uh, hook that other people are saying, okay, well, he's released on this person's label. It's not the biggest, it's not Jamie Jones' label, maybe it's maybe somebody else's label that is well known, but it's not hot creation. Yeah, yeah, of you course. Uh, and, and get something moving, and you need to try and have some sort of fan base. Um, you know, but it, yeah, it can be done. And I would say you want to wait and make sure it's the right label and just not any label. Yeah, yeah. If it's any label, then it's probably not the worth it. But you want to wait to get on the right one. Yeah, definitely. Um, another point as well, and th- this is once again coming back to you know pe- people rushing and and maybe not being as organised and placing unnecessary pressure on themselves is this is the perfect time now over the next couple of months is. You know, slowly but surely, just build up a decent catalogue of music with with tracks that are really solid. Because there's sometimes there's people that I come across who they'll send me like one or two tracks and they're actually they're pretty good. And I'll say, oh, what else have you got? And they'll be like, I haven't got anything else. And the first thing I'll say is, well, don't sign that straight away, because if you sign to a fairly respected label, you know, you're then thinking, oh, but but I need to have something else and you need to have something else. And you want to just kind of create a decent back catalogue so you're not putting that pressure on yourself um, and you've always got, you know, something as a as, as a backup as well. Yeah, get a, yeah have, maybe have a follow-up one ready. Um, you know, obviously the first track you've got to send out has got to be the best one. Yeah. Because um, no one sends out the lesser one first. Yeah, of course. So, but you want to make sure you've got other ones that are going to come and if someone says it does really well, say, oh, we've got anything else we can sign. You know, so you need to kind of have something in reserve um, have some, maybe say, right, I've got some other ideas on the way, but I'm just working those, so I want to get these out first, you know, but have something that you're not empty-handed. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say that is a very good thing to do, but then obviously if people are working hard in the studio, especially now, when there's not a lot else to be doing by going out and getting smashed, then, you know, you should be sat in the studio at the weekend and doing something and, and pushing it that way. Um, but yeah, it is... You, you always want to have a track and say, right, we've got that done and we've got a couple more on the way. And if you have a constant flow, because you always need to have a constant flow releasing, um, you know, like I said before, once every month is always a good uh, a good release. 
busy schedule you yeah. know, to work on and also they always give you something else to post on the socials uh, and, and build on and just keep stepping it up to the next level so always you know don't just sit if you sit down and want you know every you spend a month making a whole load of tracks that's fine if you've got enough bangers that will carry you and get signed for the whole year then you can chill out for a bit mm. but um, you know it's better to just keep going and just keep in, uh, making the best tracks that you can do and just keeping it going little by little yeah definitely so i know that at the start of lockdown you were kind enough to to give us some advice on um you know like setting up a record label you know whether that's going with the right distributor or pr and obviously there's a lot more people now um that are um setting up record labels because they probably had more time at the start of lockdown but and, and this goes for me as well, because, you know, me and Fleur have said we're not going to launch the record label formally um, until, you know, everything is right, whether that's the branding for the artwork. You know, we've chosen a distributor we feel is right from comparing to a couple. But what advice would you have to people who maybe don't have the, the finance for a label manager, but in terms of running a, a successful up and coming label?
know, say, right, I'm, I'm promoting your music, admittedly not through a massive fan base, maybe, because you're just starting, but, you know, tag them if you're doing it, or you're putting a mix on, on Twitter, and then, you know, try and build up a bit of rapport with them online and show yeah. them support, rather than just go and ask them, say, can you support me? You know, we'll show that you're supporting them, you know. Oh, this guy's always supporting us. What a top dude. You know? Yeah. Everyone likes a bit of support, no matter how big you are. Yeah, you of know, course. If you constantly see that, say, hey, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be chasing the hand in someone and saying, hey guys, I've, I've used you in this mix again, and just like hit them up on WhatsApp, Facebook, smoke signals and emails. I mean, that's 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 not a good idea. Uh, yeah, because that will just piss people off. But yeah, you know, if you always say, hey guys, um, I, you know, put your thing in this mix, and just just be gentle and be about it, and people will respond to it and they will notice. Yeah. Uh, they might not respond initially, but it just takes a bit of building. So you've just got to build that network of people of the same sound who are going to support you. And if the best way to do that is by supporting them mm. and gently let them know without ramming it down their throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely. And I suppose that the main thing is as well is just, you know, as well as being kind with your approach, is just be humble and just and just be nice. Um, you know, don't if you have a little bit of support or you make a little bit of noise, just don't go down the route of having a fucking massive inflated ego because there's honestly there's there's nothing worse at times. I've I've seen it before and eventually people get sick and tired of it and you know it, things tend to kind of burn and fade out, which you know I, I don't want to see happen to anyone, but it's like you know you you should have just been a little bit more humble. With uh, with how you went about things, but yeah, I mean, there's quite a few big names. Well, names that were quite small to start off with that have had one big hit really fast. Uh, that have become quite unhumble about it because they've got their own. It's like, mate, behave yourself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just just before. I know. I've, I've I've seen it, mate, number of times. I'm sure I'm sure you've seen it fifty times more over the years. Uh, Oh no! Just just before a question from my mate Aid, which I think will be quite a nice one to conclude on around you know your favourite moments in Ibiza over the years. Um, just a very quick one. What do you feel is the best way for artists to protect themselves? You know, I feel like there's a lot of artists who don't have management who will literally just be sent a contract by a record label and they don't really take the time to read the small print. What what are really the best ways to protect yourself? Because not everyone's you know, got the expertise as a publisher, not everyone really understands the jargon. What what do you feel is the best way if you don't have management to try and protect yourself? Um, I would say always ask what what expenses are gonna be included. Uh, Mastering. <laughs> Mastering's fine, you know. Uh, it's it's a normal thing, but you know, sometimes people can get a bit uh I don't do this, by the way. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about keeping costs down. But some people will, uh, will like to include. Uh, I've never had a positive royalty statement in my life, but I've sold quite a lot of numbers and tracks um, because people just add in. All oh, right, that artwork has cost that much. This has cost this much. This has cost this much. So always say uh, stipulating the contract, and you say the artist has to uh, uh, be notified on an expense over a certain amount, say mm. over a hundred or something, just so you know where your money because this is going to come from your sales. Um, so you want to know where your money's going. You would not find, like, say, right, well, why have you just spent this on? You know, if, it's, if you're with your missus or whatever. <laughs> no, mate, that's the worst thing you can ask. That's the worst thing you can ask. So it's nice to know where, what is going to be technically your 
as well where that's being spent. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, you know, people will just start adding, you know, some more unscrupulous labels will add certain things in there. So, you know, just I would always ask about expenses and what it's getting spent on. And also I'd say artist needs to confirm what, uh, what the expenses are going to be spent on. You know, you've got to approve that first, you know, like, oh, I've got, I spent this much on the remix. Well, how do I know it's that, how much, you know, just ask. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's the, that's the main thing. Um, also, you know, also depending on the label, some of them will always want to take your publishing. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not, it depends if they're going to pay it back to you. If they're just administering it, uh, that's, that's all right. Um, and I'd also, other labels, yeah, I, I always think 50-50 is a fair deal down the split. Yeah, yeah. You know, down the middle. That's near enough, fine. Um, but it depends on how much, uh, I've seen other ones come in with a lot, lot, lot lower than that. Hey, come on, have a word. Yeah. Let's be, let's be fair to artists, uh, because, you know, uh, at the moment, making music, that's all they're making money on. And, you know, we know other people have got large costs on bigger brands, you know, where they've yeah. got big costs they've got need to cover. Right, okay, I get that, but yeah, there's, uh, there's no need to please the artists and say, well, you're going to get tours out of it, because they definitely ain't getting that at the moment. I know, <laughs> I know, we'll, we'll guarantee you a tour as part of the contract in uh, 2023 when we get a vaccine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think what, one of the nicest ways to conclude would be from my mate Aidu, I think he's a bit of an Ibiza veteran, so he was just saying out of your 20 plus years on the island, and having seen so many venues change and close, and you know you've had artists that have come through and they've been top dog, and then they've maybe faded out. What what have been probably your favourite years? Which I suppose I know that things change, and you know, you know the memories are still there. But what have been your favourite memories from over the years? Best best sets you've seen as well. Oh, uh, I mean I've seen some uh, some great sets to be honest over the years. I mean. The opening and closing of space was always great. Mm. Um, you know, Carl Carl Kevin Marilla, 2001. Uh, that was a great year for great music, you know. Um, seen some, uh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I would say the late 90s will always, will always resonate for me. Yeah. You normally around space, bizarrely. Uh, it just felt very in unison because it was very inclusive, not exclusive. Yeah. Um, you know, no velvet rope brigade. Uh, you know, it's like you could be dancing next to a Saudi prince, you could be the shots next to a junkie. You know, <laughs> nobody cared. Everyone was just happy, having enjoyed the moment and, and enjoying great music. You know, now it's changed a little bit. I get it. I understand it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would say sort of the turn of, around the turn of millennium was just a, an epic time for me. Both both music. You know, um, I do love a bit of funky house. Very happy. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's with a smile on their face, you know, no moodiness there. And I would say, that, you know, space and, uh, and, and Ibiza in general, people dancing on the beach for a bore around there, it was just a great time. Yeah. Was that the time as well? Because it was, was Circa Loco... 1999, is that when... Yeah, was that when you used to go straight from space to Circa Loco as, like, the after party, the after-afters? Yeah, well, we'd do, like, um, go to space... And then, and then that used to close late in the afternoon, say about five o'clock. And then we go to Bora Bora, say on a Sunday. And then after that, go to Pasha. Uh, and then after Pasha, uh, that closed about seven in the morning. Then go have a coffee, and then straight through to DC Ten. And that would then finish. And then we go back to Bora Bora again. And then you, you know, then it's time for Manny Mission. 
Do, 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 you, do you ever think, like, when you look back, do you ever think, how the fuck did I survive in the late 90s and early 2000s? <laughs> it is a miracle I've managed to make it to the age that I have. <laughs> I don't think I can carry on doing that now if I tried. Do you know what, though, Graham? I feel like a vaccine for, for veterans like yourself isn't needed because you've built your immune system that much over the years from all, from all those straight-throughs. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think this is the, the level of our medical expertise is please do not do a straight through as uh, as advice from Dr. Dr. Hughes and Dr. Sahara, because I'm not I'm not going to be held. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be held accountable when uh, when the hospital calls. But um, no, I think that I think that's pretty much everything. Mate. I think if we've got one or two more minutes, I just wanted to get I, I know once again, it's very unpredictable. You know, you haven't got a crystal ball is what do you feel is probably likely to change? Because even realistically, things aren't going to go back to normal. So if there's not going to be like big festivals and things like that, what what do you feel is going to change in the music industry, though, like events wise, whether it's Ibiza or whether it's mainland? to be shown a decent night in Pasha, mate. I think we need to get we need to get we need to get you in Pasha on an extended set and just say, look, Boris, I know you don't fucking understand what the culture is, but you know, here's Graham, here's blah blah blah, you know, <laughs> have a good night. Everyone had their first night in a club that made them understand. Um, yeah. And we all know what gives them that little understanding. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh mate, he's he's a hundred percent. You're you're telling me having that much money knocking around in the Bullington Club where you like to David Cameron, mate. Them boys got up to some rascal business back in the day. They they can't admit it, obviously, because because the position they're in. But um, yeah, yeah. So I think um on that bombshell, um, just wanted to say really appreciate your time, mate. I'm sure you know your your advice has has brought some um some decent value to to up and coming artists, but. Hopefully I'll be over next year and we can have a beer anyway, mate. Oh, I'd love that. That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, it'd be good to catch you actually, actually properly in person. <laughs> I know, mate. That's the thing. Like all, all of my uh, guests that I've had on, like I've, I've built a good relationship with them. I'm like, fuck, I still haven't met this person. Like I've speak to them all the time. It's uh, this is this is the new normal, unfortunately, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So it can be done in an age where no one can start flying and meeting people, you know. Mm. It can be done as long as you just do it in the right way, you know, and don't be uh, Billy Big Balls. 
Definitely. Don't do it like that. Everyone's good. Yeah, definitely. Take care, though, mate. All the best. Nice one. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you.